you know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. Welcome back to First and Foxborough, everybody. I'm Kyrie Thompson, Patriots beat reporter for WEEI.com. And the host of the show. What's going on? August 1st, today, is the day that the real football starts. As Bill Belichick has hinted at this entire time, even since before training camp started, full pads are expected down at Gillette Stadium. That means everybody's going to be hitting a little bit today, except for the quarterbacks. No hitting of the guys in the red jerseys. Now it's time to get some thuds. We're going to see some real wide receiver jams, some real blocking on the offensive line. Maybe some live tackling. I don't know if they typically do that on day one of training camp. They might ease things in a little bit. But if not today, we're probably going to see a segment or two this week at some point. Because, hey, first preseason game's right around the corner. It's next Thursday. So got to get these guys back in the habit of doing some real tackling at some point. Unfortunately, I will not be there at Gillette Stadium to give you the lowdown on what's going on. Should be back tomorrow, hopefully hopefully. But in the meantime, I wanted to recap how those rookies are doing down there in Foxborough as we get into the segments that are considered real football. We've now had four spring practices and four training camp practices to get a look at how the Patriots 2022 draft class is looking. Let's start it from the top and talk about first round pick Cole Strange. So again, Offensive linemen are really difficult to evaluate when the pads aren't on because the contact is not full speed. It's not full strength, okay? At the same time, I'll tell you what I have seen when it comes to Cole Strange. For one thing, he is most definitely the starting left guard of this football team. That is unequivocal. Every single time they're going out there for a team drill or anything that remotely matters, Cole Strange is the guy at left guard. He's been that since they showed up, right? At least from the practices that we've seen, immediately plug and play left guard. And the other thing that I can tell you, when they're on the field for these walkthroughs, in in the running game especially, Strange's quickness and athleticism, they're no joke. I mean, this guy gets up to the second level quicker than anybody on that team already. And you can you can just see the movement skills when they're repping some of these outside zone plays where they ask him to get out, when they ask him to get around a defender and, and try to get up to a linebacker or when they're doing combo blocks on inside zone. So what that means, right, for, for those who aren't as familiar with the blocking schemes is when you're doing zone blocking, you're not really blocking a man, you're blocking an area. And what that means sometimes is that your area is to get up to the second level generally as fast as you can because you're trying to cut off a defender. So sometimes on the interior, what will happen is your center and left guard will sort of double team. They'll get a quick double team on a defensive tackle or or a nose tackle. And then the guard's job is to then block the nearest linebacker that could be affecting the play. And when I was getting a glimpse of Strange doing that last week, I mean, he, he's he's so fast off the football. And then just the, the steps are so decisive and and aggressive. I think that's one thing that just from a mental standpoint, you can see from Cole Strange, he is 
a very aggressive, very nasty dude. He's definitely going to be putting some people in the dirt when it comes to, to blocking for real. And I can't wait to see that. I also noticed him looking better getting out into space as a blocker. That's something with Cole Strange. When he was in college, when you look at his college film, you could see so many good things to his game and so much athleticism and, and again, ability and what he can do. But it seemed like you would get lost sometimes getting out into space on screens. He would whiff a lot or just straight up not get to his block and people would just get around him and either make the tackle or almost make the tackle. And it felt like sometimes instead of him being an asset, for some reason that just didn't translate to him getting out on screens. He already looks a, a bit better coached up in that regard. And I'm excited to see whether they're able to take advantage of that when they use the screen game in a real game. We'll get a better picture of that this week and when the preseason games begin and joint practices begin. Let's move down to the second round pick, Tyquan Thornton. All in all, I would say Tyquan Thornton has looked more or less what, like what you would expect, though through the first three practices the Patriots had, it really has been all red zone work, so you haven't gotten a chance to see him really open up the throttle on some of these deep routes or, or see how the Patriots would, in, would expect to deploy him in those situations as Damian Parson of the Draft Network would call a designated deep threat, right? Like we're in that period of time where we want the defense to start thinking about, we might take a shot here. Then you put Tyquan Thornton on the field and they're like, okay, we got to watch out for him because he's got track speed. And we've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. He's really, really, really fast. Okay. But the things that you perhaps didn't hear as much about coming out of the draft because everybody's so focused on the speed, even at the press conferences, right? It's like, oh, you're so fast. Do you do everything fast? Like everybody's obsessed with that. And even Taekwon's like, look, man, everybody knows I'm fast. Now it's about developing the other stuff. The biggest thing that I would say is that when the ball goes in his direction, it doesn't hit the ground. This guy catches everything. Okay, it doesn't matter if it's in the air, if falling out of bounds, a short route where he's getting hit from behind. He, kept, he has caught every single thing thrown his way, at least that I've seen. I think that his toughness with the ball in the air has definitely been underrated. He he's made a couple of catches during you know, like seven on sevens where it's it's in the red zone and, and again diving grabs in in the end zone and showing off this catch radius that he's got because again you forget that he's you know six two six three with you know fairly you know, long arms and long legs and he's reaching out and snagging the ball and keeping his feet in bounds and and stuff like that. It's it's pretty nice stuff from the rookie. Now, I think the hang-up that everybody has, right, is with the size. He is very skinny. There's no way around that. And there are times when cornerbacks get into him and they throw off his routes a little. Now, I will say he does, he has shown off some of those quick feet and that ability to kind of get out and around a guy and then get up the field that way. And he does have some pretty underrated, I think, explosive strength where I noticed during a one-on-one -on -one drill that they did on Friday, Malcolm Butler was matched up against Thornton. They were going down the field and, and Butler was in his hip pocket a little bit and trying to disrupt him. And Thornton had him with kind of a one-arm, sort of stiff arm, trying trying to extend and, and create separation that way. And he kind of shoved Butler off of him pretty hard there and, and got Butler off balanced and then continued with the route. 
I do think that Thornton's release package and hand fighting does need to improve from the little bit that I've seen, and definitely the functional strength has to improve. But what you can say about Thornton so far, the speed is going to become more of a factor once they start opening the offense up more. I also think that generally it's looked like he's got the playbook down. He hasn't messed up his assignments too much to the naked eye. It hasn't looked like he's messed up his assignments, that anybody's had to correct him on, look, man, you ran the wrong route here. That happened once or twice during minicamp. And again, the hands have been good. He Every time that they've thrown him the football, he's caught it. It's looked like he's been available at kind of the area that I think might not even necessarily be the, the biggest strength of his game, which has been the underneath stuff, the close to the line of scrimmage stuff. Hopefully you'll continue to see that from Thornton because I feel like him being able to be useful everywhere is going to be the part that gets him on the field, as well as blocking and special teams, which... <laughs> That's another thing. They've used him as a punt gunner, which is just the perfect usage for him because once he gets past his initial block, he's just flying. He's too fast. You can't keep up with him. And he's caused several fair catches because, again, he's just getting down there so fast. And if you put up a good hang time punt, he I mean, he's going to get there. And he, he, I mean, he's mentioned kind of jokingly, he hasn't done a whole lot of tackling. He had two tackles, I think, throughout his entire career in college. And they were tackles of, of a guy who's intercepted a pass, right? So he didn't really do a ton of special teams work and, and get a ton of special teams tackles. But essentially, he's like, look, man, football is football. And you just got to you just got to bring your hips with you when you tackle, bring your arms with you. And and in the end, that's that's how it's going to work. He's got the right mentality for it. And as long as he continues to contribute in that area, he's going to dress on Sundays. And if he dresses on Sundays, he's going to get a role as a pass catcher. It might be a small one. He's not going to be a big volume target or anything like that. Maybe it's going to be 15, 20 catches, perhaps. Hopefully he can just make his mark as as a decoy or just something that defenses have to think about when he's on the field. I think he's well on the way to getting those opportunities. Now let's get into the guy that I think might be the most impressive rookie so far with the way that he's come on recently. Third round pick Marcus Jones. Here's a dude who had the red non-contact jersey on during OTAs and minicamp because he had some his because he had some shoulder procedures in the offseason to clean some things up that, that he had had problems with while he was still at Houston. But he's gotten the lion's share of the snaps in the past couple of days at slot cornerback because Jonathan Jones has been on the pup list. He still has, has not really gotten action in during the first couple of days of training camp. You would hope that you're going to see him soon because he's one of the steadier options that you've got at a cornerback room that needs some stability. From somewhere, right? I mean, they've got Jalen Mills, who is, you know, kind of your, you know, number one corner in a way. Then you've got veteran free agent signing Terrence Mitchell, who's been playing good, some good football so far. So, I mean, right now you're looking at that as being your two starting cornerbacks. And then you would hope you've got John Jones in the slot. But I would say this, Marcus Jones has, you know, after maybe a first day where he got you know, bullied a little bit by Devontae Parker, and he had a couple of catches allowed on him. Since then, he's been in everybody's hip pocket. He's been forcing some incompletions. I was especially impressed by some coverage that he had on Kendrick Bourne on Thursday's practice, where, again, it was a corner route where Bourne had a step, but Jones's recovery speed 
really put him right in there and made it a difficult catch for Bourne, who ended up not being able to haul it in. And then on top of that, you started to see some reps for Jones kind of all around the defense where they used him a little bit at safety because they, they've been kind of giving Devin McCourty a little bit of rest here and there with uh, Joshua Bledsoe, six-round pick from last year, getting some reps with the first team at safety. And then you saw Marcus Jones getting moved around a little bit, which I think maybe hints a bit at this kind of positionless football. You know what? Like if he's good enough, we want to get you on the field right away. And I feel like the way he's played, I think that's a possibility where, look, maybe you are going to be a little bit more impactful as a rookie than we expected you to be. And he's one of those guys where, yeah, he's like, what, 5'8", 5'9", to be generous. He's he's a very, he's a short guy, but he's thick, right? He, he's, he's, he's thick and strong and physical and agile. He gets moving with his with his acceleration very quickly. I spotted him a couple times going up against Trey Nixon and Tyquan Thornton, two guys who are noted for being quick as well as fast, right? And he's running stride for stride with both of those guys. Size, of course, is going to be the thing against players like Parker, which, I mean, he's, what, 6'3", 220. So that's a tough cover for just about anybody on this team in terms of raw size. But against your standard slot receiver, I feel like Jones looks like he can definitely hold his own. And that is of interest to me when you consider the situation of Jonathan Jones, who, you know, the, the veteran that is expected to get most of the snaps here. The more I think about it, the more I'm starting to wonder if Jones participating in the spring and not yet being back for training camp forebodes something else regarding his future with this team. Because let's look at it this way. The Patriots are very tied up against the salary cap right now, and Jonathan Jones is in the final year of the contract extension that he signed back in 2019. His cap number is set to be $7.7 million, and there are more than $3 million in savings if you were to cut or trade John Jones. And again, that's not necessarily something you want to do, especially with a secondary where you're wondering really who your players are going to be at this point. At the same time, if you're looking at this purely from a standpoint of economics, it would be way, way more affordable to have Marcus Jones, who is a third round pick on a rookie contract, playing in the slot versus versus Jonathan Jones, who's starting to get a little bit on the expensive side. And there was some discussion about, hey, maybe if they don't get something done with him last year, that maybe there would have been an opportunity to move on from him before now. I mean, we've seen it already this offseason with Shaq Mason, where they got out from under that contract and then stuck Michael Onwenu over there on the right side because they thought he was good enough. We saw it last year to a much, much lesser extent, of course, with the Patriots showing Cam Newton the door because Mac Jones was ready to play ready enough, and he was just much, much more affordable in addition to being able to give them what they wanted. So I'm just saying, don't rule that out, especially the longer that you see Jonathan Jones not being able to participate. Of course, this also means Marcus Jones has to continue to play well. So, I mean, I think that is starting to leapfrog into one of the more intriguing storylines that we're going to see at Patriots camp in the coming weeks. Now we're going to get into the fourth round. I want to talk about the other rookie Jones cornerback, Jack Jones, who was one of the stars of spring camp 
with his competitiveness, is always being around the football. And I'll say this, I, I really think that Jones's instincts for the football and trying to find it are among the best on this team. I, I can even see it in one-on-one -on -one drills where they're doing things like playing through the hands in the back of the end zone where you know, like, like playing a black like a they're playing a back shoulder fade and you'll see cornerbacks not looking at the football but they'll they have an instinct for when it comes in as soon as the receiver puts his hands up you play through the football Jones is a guy that when he sees the hands go up or he gets the feeling that the ball is about to arrive he's snapping his head around trying to intercept the pass or, or trying to knock it down. He wants to see the football and get his hands on it. I love that about him. I love guys that have that ball hawking mentality. I want to get the ball. And he did have a couple of interceptions in spring practice where, again, he's just finding his way to the football. And again, the physicality, even without pads, is showing up. And he has even been mixing it up with the likes of Devontae Parker a little bit. It's not the greatest matchup for him because he's like 175 pounds soaking wet or you know, whatever he is at this point he's got kind of a slight figure but he does not back down he has been willing to take on any challenge I love that at the same time you haven't noticed him as much during training camp I mean I think we've seen Devontae Parker and some of these veteran receivers beat him a couple of times we've seen Tyquan Thornton get one on him as well in the end zone so the the luster I think has come off a little bit in terms of you know, is Jack Jones immediately going to take over and be a starting cornerback as a rookie? I do feel, though, that with Malcolm Butler not playing as well, perhaps as people had hoped for coming into this you know, fully padded segment of, of training camp practices, he's going to stand, Jack Jones, I mean, is going to stand a chance of you know, kind of being that, that first outside cornerback off the bench, depending on what happens with Butler. We'll see. Next on the list, Pierre Strong. He hasn't really done anything, not a whole lot to report. I've seen him more on the lower practice fields, getting some like conditioning work and running around than I have seen him getting reps on the field. That's not entirely surprising because you've got three running backs ahead of him that are that are all a bit more proven. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, whom everybody believes is going to be a huge breakout candidate He's and, and has really stepped up his his comfort level and ability in the passing game from the little bit that we've seen. And then Ty Montgomery, who I think now is, is a lock to make this team one way or another, whether it's as a running back or a wide receiver, we've seen him rep a little bit at both, but they've been using him primarily at running back when it's in team segments. Those are your top three guys. He's gonna, Ty Montgomery is going to be your third down back, your, your James White replacement. That's not going to be Pierre Strong's role this year. If Pierre Strong is able to get on the field, it's going to be as a kick returner or as a, okay, let's put you in every once in a while as a slasher for some outside zone and see what you do. Eat up some of these big chunks of yards that we saw you do in college. But as for having a role in the NFL right now, that's not really materializing for him. He'll probably make the team. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And if anything, you might see him get a case of, some Foxborough flu where, oh, well, he's got some some nagging injuries and, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to stash him on IR, which, again, I think have seeing him on the lower practice field and, and seeing him be limited is perhaps one of the precursors to that happening for the final fourth round pick. The last of three, Bailey Zappi, the backup quarterback right now who has been getting an extended run. 
Brian Hoyer has not been at practice from what we could see for the last two days. So Friday and Saturday. That has left all the backup reps to go to Bailey Zappi, which, which is very curious. I don't know that this is necessarily the year that you want to go into the season with Bailey Zappi as your main backup. I think that's the plan later on down the line. But I do think there's an element of, you know, I don't know what's going on with Brian Hoyer, but I'm sure that they are happy to see as to see Bailey Zappi spell Mac Jones a little bit and see what he can do with running this offense. The early returns, not really great. I think that as opposed to what Mac Jones looked like, even at this point of training camp last year, Zappi looks a lot more like a rookie. So anybody's like, oh yeah, he's here to push Mac Jones. Bailey Zappi's not doing anything of the sort. He's not pushing Mac Jones. There is no quarterback controversy. There is nothing even remotely controversial about what is going on in that quarterback room. Mac Jones is the guy. That's it. And Zappi has shown off a, a solid arm. I mean, he's probably got the best arm of any of the quarterbacks that are in that room right now. But as we kind of joke sometimes in the media tent at times, you don't always know where it's going. His accuracy has been a little bit erratic. I've noticed a couple of times where there will be a, a flat route or a swing route or something like that to a running back out of the backfield. And Zappy just, I don't, I think he just doesn't have a feel for the touch yet. So he's trying to, he's trying to gun this ball to a receiver that's essentially right there and has some room to run. Like you could put that ball out there a little bit on, on a touch throw and let them gain some yards but he's he's basically like turfing it you know or he's throwing it too hard too far out ahead and a running back can't make the catch he's also locked on to a couple of receivers at times where he's trying to fit a ball into an area where I mean that throw just isn't open and he's gotten picked off he's had balls knocked down a couple of times there have been a couple of instances where he has fit a ball in on the back line of the end zone to like Lil Jordan Humphrey or something like that, where he's like, okay, that was nice. Where I didn't, I, I'm surprised that he had the gumption to attempt that throw, let alone to, to sneak it in there the way that he did. So it's not that there have been no good plays from Bailey Zappi. It's just they've been very few and far in between. For example, he did not complete a single throw at this point, he's probably he's going to go into the season as your third quarterback. Not going to get cut. I'm sure they like him, and and they're just trying to bring him along. And that and that it's just look, these are rookie growing pains that most rookies go through. Mac Jones being apparently the exception during training camp, though. I mean, he he went through his own ups and downs, but he never he never looked like that. He always looked like he was going to be a starting caliber NFL player as a rookie. Bailey Zappi, not so much. Let's move on. Fifth round pick, Kevin Harris, running back. Now, he's actually gotten more time on the field than Pierre Strong has, which I found quite interesting. That doesn't mean that I think he's going to see a significant role. As I've said, those three guys that are ahead of him, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and Ty Montgomery, those are going to be your backs that get most of the time. But Kevin Harris has been in with the second team, with Zappi and Brian Hoyer plenty. You notice that he's got some solid hands and that I, I think that he's got some potential as sort of a third down change of pace running back, though the change of pace I think is going to be a little bit more 
bowling ball type as opposed to quick and shifty, right? Like a Ty Montgomery or or a Pierre Strong were he to have that kind of role. Kevin Harris is, is, a, is a big dude. He's, he's got just massive legs, massive thighs. He is a in-between-the-tackles kind of runner. Just give him the ball. He's going to bounce off you a little bit. He's going to churn out some yards, and he's going to pass protect, and he's going to catch the football, especially in a scenario where James White is not making the team where he's going to be on the pup list. Now, Kevin Harris is probably going to be your fifth running back, and he's going to be a special teams maven. You can see him out there, especially on, like, punt protection or I think I've seen him a couple of times back there running back a kick or two like that's going to be his role as a special teamer with that in mind one guy that that I haven't noticed nearly as much I mean you've seen him on occasion catching a pass or returning a kick JJ Taylor hasn't really been a factor as much and I feel like the way this running back room is shaping up I feel like five guys are locks unless you know, Pierre Strong ends up on IR with some mysterious ailment that keeps him out all season or part of the season. Unless that happens, I think that J.J. Taylor is headed for the practice squad once again. And honestly, that more or less does it for the rookie breakdown because, I mean, we haven't really seen anything from Sam Roberts. And again, that's a scenario where, yeah, he's out there, but it's hard to really notice anything from defensive tackles at this stage, especially One's on the scout team. So there really isn't a whole lot to say about Sam Roberts, except that he's really big and he has some of the biggest knee braces I've ever, ever, ever seen. Um, Hopefully that's not the only thing we're saying about him uh, by by the time that, you know, this operation starts to get a little bit more serious. Jason Hines and Andrew Stuber literally have not seen them one time out on the field. They've both been on the the NFI list, the non-football injury list. So they haven't suited up. They haven't practiced one time that I could see going back to even the spring practice and OTAs. They are absolutely about to get stashed for an entire season and and never see the light of day. So guess we'll see you next year, guys, uh, Chase and Hines and, and Andrew Stuber, I mean, and, and we'll see how they develop kind of quietly in that offensive line room and see what emerges. That's all I got for right now for this rookie breakdown. Once again, Thanks for joining me for First and Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson. Make sure you follow this show at First and Foxborough, F-O-X-B-O-R-O on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you follow me at Katie Thompson 5 and download, stream, listen to the show on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.